is sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We will never know how many thousands or millions of youngsters do not get their start in the workplace because they've been priced out of it. We're pricing out entry-level jobs. You know, there's no such thing as an entry-level job any longer. If you've got a job, it has to pay for a family of four. It's got to be a living wage. It's a tragedy that those people will not be getting those jobs. What a shame. The president may never be found guilty of it, but he can be impeached for it. It's my opinion that the Judiciary Committee is not doing its job. If the Judiciary Committee doesn't move forward, then I think it's incumbent upon the 435 members, each of whom have the opportunity to bring articles of impeachment to consider doing so. Just when they were getting ready to take the picture, she looked up and said, I've never been this close to a black man before. <laughs> and I looked down and said, I'm not black. <laughs> and she said, what? And that's how they took the picture of her going. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. It's Friday and we are really excited about it. I have a super full weekend planned. And so we're going to have a fantastic show, and then we're going to head on into some rest and relaxation, which is going to be fantastic. So today on the program, we have Cassie Dillon. She's a contributor to The Daily Wire and founder of Lone Conservative. She's going to come on and talk about uh, we should strive for a peaceful world. So we'll hear from her about that in first hour. And then second hour, we are going to be speaking with Demetrius Minor, who is the Florida Coalition's Director for Americans for Prosperity. He's going to come on and talk to us about the latest with um, AFP. And I just, I have to say, another really interesting news day. Um, so listen, here's what we're going to do. We, we, I first have to get into this, this story. Um, you know what, I'm going to get into the story afterwards. First, first, let's kind of draw all of these things together by getting into some audio of an angel mom. So if you're unaware, an angel mom is a person, a woman whose child has been killed by an illegal immigrant. And what makes these people special is that they're not special. Uh, they have their family members killed in, by people who shouldn't be here, meaning it's a senseless death. Now, all murders are senseless deaths because someone has to be imp imprisoned and punished for doing the murder. Their life is forever irre irrevocably changed. And then you have the people who lose their family member and the family member themselves, obviously, who are just devastated by a loss that didn't have to occur. So unlike an accident where you can say, ah, oh, you know, there's there's something going on, you know, and this all these things came together and there was an accident. When it's a murder, it's where someone decided that someone else shouldn't live for whatever reason. And so when it happens and the person shouldn't have been here, it's even more egregious because you really think to yourself, this is one of those situations that had our government been doing what it is mandated to do, had our uh, elected officials been doing what they promised when they were running for political office, had our uh, border enforcement agents been permitted to do their constitutionally mandated jobs they're you know they have certain things they're supposed to do then none of this would have occurred right so this is what makes it and then then you have the media who basically acts as if if your child was killed by an illegal immigrant nothing happened 
And that is infuriating. And so if you if you have any kind of like, you know, uh, any feeling at all, you have to really your heart goes out to these people, these Americans who have had every part of our system fail them. And then the media says, we're going to ignore you. You don't matter. Your child's life doesn't matter. We're more concerned. As Elizabeth Warren said, I, I, I don't I don't. I don't mean to be harsh, but we really need to focus on the real problem here, and it's illegal immigrants being separated from their kids. The ultimate separation is one in which you can't ever see your child again until, you know, the other side of glory. When your child's been taken away from you prematurely, and also not just your child, but your grandchildren from that child have been taken away. All of the life experiences, all of the shared experiences, everything has been taken away from you by someone who, honestly, they could care less Illegal immigrants, when you see their demeanor in in court, they're like, they don't even see what the big deal is. They're coming from a country where killings and murders go unsolved all the time. It's just a whole different mindset. So you've got this angel mom and she's on Fox and she begins to share the reality of permanent separation and what that really is. It's not having a kid that's not yours taken away from you at the American southern border. It's what she shares in number three. It is a story that needs to be out there because it is a real thing. It is something that is happening daily to American families. And I do not want to see another family have to go through this. And unfortunately, now Molly's family is going through this. The president uh, has said and has tweeted that Molly's family has been permanent or that Molly has been permanently separated from her family. He was criticized for using that language. Your response? But it's true. You know, we hear the left stating, you know, we can't separate these parents, uh, the illegal aliens that come over here, those parents from their children. Mm -hmm. But yet we don't care about us American citizens that have been permanently separated from our loved ones, our children. I never get to reunite with Sarah in a day, an hour, 10 months, a year. Never until I die and go up to heaven will I be reunited with my daughter. Did you hear that? And so when you can just contrast what she shared with what Elizabeth Warren has said, and this is a woman who she said over and over again, she's not running for president. So yay, but she's out there. She's out there saying these things about the parents and this lady, you know, God bless her, but she's not the only one. And I, I was going to say I could see if it was just one case, if it was just one murder out of 320 million people, but that's even too many. That's too many. I'd never say, oh, if it's just one murder in the inner city, that's okay. Or if it's just one murder in the suburbs, or if it's just one family that has to lose their child, then it's okay. It's never okay. Either you believe that all human life is valuable and worth something, or you don't. And we know where the Democrats stand. We we know. We we know where they are. They, They don't believe that babies are babies until the parent says, I want them. They don't believe that elderly people who've become a burden on their family members should get to keep on being a burden. Instead, they believe, well, you know, you don't really have that much life expectancy. So, you know, maybe we could get a panel together to adjudicate that it's time for you to go. They're all about assisted suicide and all these things that really devalue the lives of human beings. And so when we hear this about this 
you know, this angel mom, she's talking about her experience. We're not hearing much from the Tibbet family. It turns out they're pretty liberal, and so they have to toe this line. They have extra expectations put on them because as liberals, they're supposed to take one for the team. The death of their daughter is supposed to be subjugated to the rights of illegal aliens at the southern border. And if they come out too strongly against it, they'll be told they're not good liberals. They'll be told they're, they're, uh, they're xenophobes, they're bigots. And if they say nothing, people will think that, you know, what, what, what is there to think? They're not saying anything. So they've, they've put out a very kind of controlled statement. And they have every right to say whatever they want to say or don't want to say in this instance. They've lost a family member. And we don't need to be satisfied. They, they have to do what they feel is best. But moving forward, moving forward, what kind of attitude are we willing to tolerate from the Democrats? And, and this is what this is about. I, I wish people would just for one second, if you just detach yourself from your ideological moorings for a second and say, how much of this complete ignorance are we willing to put up with? The answer should be zero, but we're going to put up with some ignorance because people are going to people, but we should be trying to get as close to zero as possible, not just allowing it to run free across the country. And that's what's happening here. Look at, look at, so this next bit of audio, if you're not already infuriated and, and saddened by what you heard from that lady and she's separated from her daughter and you know the Tibbetts family is going through that and so are thousands of other families across the country whose children have been killed by illegal aliens. You got this Democratic... He's a DNC member, Democratic National Committee member, and he's sitting in this forum where it's, it's, they're putting on this big, big uh, speaking engagement. And he's got this huge screen up where he can put up slides and, and whatnot. And he starts talking about how Immigrations and Customs Enforcement arrested one of his union members at a meat processing facility that processes bacon. So he had me at bacon. But then you start listening to what he's saying about what happened. And you have to be kind of like, wait, wait, dude, what? What's your problem now? Because here on the show, just a little background here on the show, we have demonstrated over and over again that especially in these meat processing facilities where you can come in entry level and work your way up and be earning a really nice wage. These are good American jobs. They provide a service to Americans. They're needed. We want our meat processed in the United States, not in some foreign country. And when... Meat processing facilities are allowed to hire illegals. They do. But when ICE cracks down and detains illegal immigrants who are working in this country, the people who replace them are almost always 80% of those people are black. Now, why is this important? Because that means if the illegals hadn't been there, those black Americans would have had jobs from the get-go. So they're hiring the illegal immigrants because they can, they can get away with it. But when they're Finally forced to adhere to the law, they hire Americans. How does that help? Well, it lowers crime in the inner city. It lowers crime when it's crime or work. That's how this thing falls out. And I know, well, if you're not working, it doesn't mean you're a criminal. Of course it doesn't. But in areas where there's a lot of unemployment, there tends to be higher crime. So the most important thing we can do is try to get our employers in this country to hire American citizens. People keep saying there are more jobs than there are people. Not really. There are plenty of people out there who need a job. 
But if you're hiring illegal immigrants, then of course we're going to have this false dichotomy. So here is this DNC member who is infuriated that ICE busted up 168 illegal immigrants working at this bacon processing facility. It's number four. I'd like to use this opportunity to tell you what happened in my own union just a few weeks ago. My union represents workers in a meat packing plant in Salem, Ohio. <coughs> One day, our members went to work processing bacon as they do every day, and I showed up with semi-automatic weapons, with guns pointed in people's faces, with a helicopter hovering overhead, and 146 people were detained. 80 of them are still in detention. Some of them were detained for the crime of not bringing their papers to work that day. They were sent away, and it took quite some time to get them back, and it was because they didn't bring their, doc uh, their documentation to work. That is not what I want to see America. So he's upset because now some of the people, they didn't bring their documentation to work. So they were apparently legal, but they didn't have their documentation. And so they had to go home and get it. But others were detained because they were in the country illegally and working. So that's that's more than one crime, by the way. Working in the country illegally is a crime. Being in the country illegally is a crime. Hello. Yeah. Having false documents, forged documents, stealing someone's identity, crime. And this Democrat is actually more concerned about, well, I don't know, the illegal immigrants. That's what he cares about. He doesn't care anything about the other people who have been displaced, who happen to be his constituents because he's a Democrat and blacks vote 90% for the Democrats. Pretty unbelievable. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Cassie Dillon. She is from The Daily Wire and founder of The Lone Conservative. Stay there. Capital One commercial will forever be etched in the ear of the listener. What's in your wallet is a phrase that won't easily be forgotten. But this is not a Capital One plug. I want you to think about the people that are in your circle of influence. Who's in your circle is my new catchphrase. Simply because we don't think enough about the people or spirits that we allow into our personal space. Negativity is contagious and fatal. Misery loves company and it's fatal to your hopes and dreams. I think we all know someone who, no matter what good has happened, always has something negative to say. Ugh, that really bothers me. That bad attitude and that pessimistic spirit will only cause you to do the same. There's no room for doubt, especially if you're believing God to bring that vision to fruition. Now, this is not a license for you to be mean. It is, however, a license for you to assess who's in your circle and make the necessary adjustments. With a heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at urbanfamilytalk.com. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I grew up with a kid who was a good student, came from a great family, and was an outstanding athlete. But he had a problem. He had a stubborn, rebellious streak in him, and the older he got, the more obstinate, even defiant, he became. His behavior became so destructive, he was kicked out of school, and hardly anybody wanted to hang around him. Today, he is experiencing the outcome of his bad choices. He is in prison, serving a life sentence. Listen to Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 11 and 12 and 15 through 17. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke for the Lord. Now verse 15, And the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. For they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, until there was no remedy. Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary, and had no compassion on the young man or virgin or old man or infirmed. He gave them into his hand. Hardly anything else needs to be said. God does not play with our rebellion. Here's what I want you to remember today. If you're rebelling against God in any way, I want to plead with you. Turn away from your pride and self-centeredness. Please listen and submit to God. Soften your heart. You don't want to end up where you're surely headed. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you. Happy Friday. UrbanFamilyTalk.com and American Family Radio. You can find that at AFR.net. We are glad to have your ears or if you're watching on the screen, your eyeballs. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, we we have frequently had guests from the Daily Wire on the program, and they're always superb. And so Cassie is going to be no different. I'm certain it's Cassie Dillon, contributor to the Daily Wire and founder of Lone Conservative. Cassie, thanks for joining in on this Friday. Thanks so much for having me, and happy Friday. Oh, I know. I'm I every Friday. I'm so grateful. I love my job. I love getting to do what I do, but I also like having the weekend where I can, you know, kind of just do family stuff and kind of unplug from politics. So Fridays Absolutely. are always fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's talk about this. You have a piece over the dailywire.com. Uh, we should strive for a peaceful world. Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, um, the premise of this piece is there is this couple who uh, sold everything they own and quit their jobs and they traveled the world for about a year. And they started in South Africa and went all the way up the African continent and went to Asia and the Middle East and all these different areas. And while they were in a little-known country called Tajikistan, they were mauled by ISIS insurgents and killed and stabbed to death. And what's so sad about this is their outlook in life they had. On Jay Austin's blog, one of the guy who was there, he, he said that he believes the world is a peaceful place. And he said... Um, it's a make-believe, evil is a make-believe concept is what he wrote. And it's so sad that he went the way he did. And so I wrote a piece about it. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so we talked about this a little bit on the show, I think, if I'm, if I'm thinking of the same. This is the couple where they're both young. They quit their jobs so they could bike around the world because they said evil is something that we, we kind of make it up. Evil's a made-up concept. Really, most people are good. And they had these experiences where they were biking in the rain and someone put their bikes in the trunk and took them and gave them hot soup and let them spend the night and shower. And another time, one of their bikes was damaged and someone helped. And so they, they had all of these good Samaritans helping them get across the globe. And they'd been sick and they'd been really in need of you know assistance from strangers. And strangers always stepped up. But then they got into the Middle East. Exactly. Well, they're actually more towards Asia. It's a, it's a country northwest or northeast of Afghanistan, and they're really oh. close to the Afghanistan border. So okay. It's a country called Tajikistan, and it's not really known for terrorism. Um, yes, it borders Afghanistan, and there's a threat, which is why you know they have this spillover of insurgents there. But honestly, the, the outlook they had was just you know kind of ignorant of what, how the world actually works. But it's still a sad tragedy, and it's really scary that it happened to them in the first place. And it wasn't just them either. It was other tourists from Europe that were stabbed to death alongside of them. So I I don't want to be too mean, like, but there's a part of me, because I'm a mom of teenagers, and there have been times when our daughters specifically have said, well, we're always supposed to help. And so when I would, you know, kind of, you know, as a mom, it's your job to kind of test out your kids' minds on what they would do in certain situations. And so I remember asking my daughter when she was getting ready to get her driver's license, she'd already done all of the prerequisites. She had a permit. And I said, what happens if you see a man by the road and he's, you know, limping or something and he's asking for help? She's like, oh, I'd have to stop and help him. And I was like, are you in the car with us? Or are you like, what's the circumstance where you feel like you could stop and help him? She said, Oh, I could stop and help him if I was on my way back from work or if I was on my way back from school. And so I said, no. And our younger daughter was like, wait, why wouldn't we help? We're Christians. We want to help, you know, if someone's hurting. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a single man. So you have a cell phone. And so if it's a single man who's pretending to be hurt, who wants to, you know, help and you pull over as a single girl with a car, he can overpower you. And now he's got you and your vehicle. This is not a Absolutely. smart idea. Instead, you should call 911 and keep going, right? And they were really like, they argued with me a little bit because they were like, well, what about, you know, helping the Good Samaritan and this and that? And I had to kind of, I mean, we, we went in this conversation. It lasted about 20 minutes of me wow. trying to get them to understand. And so this isn't something that's um, unique to, like this, this young couple, it's that they never had a parent tell them, if you're in the Middle East as white Americans, you're a target. If you're, you know, if you know, no way of you're protecting yourself and you're biking across the nation and you're in, you happen to come out of the more civilized portion into a wilder portion and you encounter people who don't like Americans, you may die. Evil isn't just real. It's every day people are getting killed, not just in America, but most frequently in these types of countries where these two chose to go and bike. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I read the story and I just was like. The things they said that most people are good, they're kind. Look what happened here. They gave us soup. This cup, you know, so a couple of examples of kindness and everyone in the world, all 7 billion people are just waiting for them to show up so they can be nice to them. It's extremely naive and it's very dangerous as we see is what happened to them. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I think your point about the road is so telling, especially there's been cases of 
people putting baby strollers or baby uh, car seats on the side of the road to get people to pull over and, you know, see if there's actually a baby in there, and then they get their car stolen or they get abducted. So I absolutely agree that we need to be careful. And the premise of my piece, I wrote it because I am somebody who has traveled to very dangerous areas because um, I'm really interested in the Middle East and different areas like that. So I actually went to Iraq and Kurdistan earlier this year, about a couple months ago. And when I was there, I was not naive. I knew that I was a target. I knew I was a Western white woman walking around and that people were staring at me and taking pictures of me. But I also had a security team of around four to six people at all times. So I, I was not naive. I made sure I was safe. And it's just really sad that these this couple didn't do that as well. I, I knew that there were good Kurds out there that I wanted to meet. That would be very nice to me. But I knew that there was, you know, spillover from Iraq that people don't like America, and I knew that there was maybe some spillover from Iran in Kurdistan. So I was extremely cautious, and I wish these guys would have been too. It's very sad. It is sad, but if anything can be taken from the story of this young couple, it's first of all that parents really need to be more aggressive in talking to their kids about what so evil isn't something that we talk about because we don't like certain people or because we want you to be fearful or or afraid of certain people or certain situations evil is something that we discuss and we know is real because the evidence of it is that people are killed murdered maimed you know raped kidnapped abducted tortured mutilated all kinds of horrible things happen every Day. These things happen in America, but they happen even more frequently in these, you know, kind of third world countries where when you show up American, you it's almost like you're advertising for someone there to attack you, kidnap you, etc. Which you you demonstrated that aptly by saying you had the four, sometimes six security guards with you for one person. And and it's really I think it's dereliction of duty when people, not just parents, but teachers and coaches don't just teach kids that we strive for the utmost moral and, you know, having integrity and all of that here on this team or in this classroom, et cetera. But everyone in the world isn't like that. And criminals, the definition of a criminal is someone who's breaking the law. That, that, is, that means they don't have high morals. They don't have standards. Criminals aren't like in Hollywood where they all have this redeeming side to them that they eventually in their character arc come to know that they're, they've done something wrong and they redeem themselves. Most criminals are just criminals. They're going to end up in prison and they may end up in prison for doing something to you unless you're smart and aware and cognizant of that. Absolutely. And this goes beyond just criminals. This goes on to terrorists. I would say stories of things that happen to some of the Peshmerga, which are the Kurdish forces, things that happen to their families because they're Kurdish and fighting against ISIS. I heard a story that I think about all the time that really scared me where there was this guy who was fighting the Peshmerga and he gets a phone call from his wife who was living in Turkey. And when he picked up the phone, you know, he greeted his wife. He thought his wife was on the phone, but in fact, it was an ISIS insurgent calling him and beheaded his entire family on the phone. So people exist and it's out there and it happens to Westerners a lot because obviously we're targets, but it happens to, you know, the Kurds who are fighting in, in conjunction with the American forces in Iraq just a really sad thing, and people really shouldn't be naive when they're going over there. I mean, I would love to go back over there, but I'm not going to go back with a bicycle and one guy and think I'm going to be safe. Yeah, I just, I really, I read the story, and I saw some people online, you know, kind of kabuki dancing about it. Oh, you know, they, they deserved what they got. They were so, they were so stupid. But really, they were naive to the point of being a danger to themselves. 
And so the story, it just screams out for, you know, print it, you print it off and you bring it to the dinner table at night and you say, look, this happened to this young couple. Let's talk about, you know, some of the ideas that they had that probably aren't rooted in reality. It's a wake up call. It's also, uh, we saw it with, with Otto Wambier when he took that tour out of China into North Korea and he really, he, he just underestimated the brutality of that dictatorship and he assumed that he'd be able to get out okay. And re- in reality, if you're an American in North Korea, you can just count on never coming out alive. Like that's not a country that you just go into because we're just going to take a quick four-day tour into North Korea and see what it's like. You shouldn't need to see what it's like. It's a communist dictatorship that doesn't even have electricity for all of its, its countrymen. Everybody there has tapeworms and all kinds of you know catastrophic illnesses that we eradicated like 100 years ago. And they don't have enough food. What What is to go sightsee about that? And so we just see exactly. that, yeah, you know, over and over again with, with, there are these stories that crop up. It's not like this couple's the first ones to ever, you know, kind of run up on the buzzsaw of reality. Exactly. And it's important to know that not only do I do, I do think people should see the world, but you need to realize where you're going. Because if you're going to different places like Cuba and North Korea, you're bringing money with you and you're feeding into that economy that's propping up this dictator regime. You need to be careful where you're going, which is why I was happy I picked Kurdistan, because, you know, Kurds have been fighting with us for a while. When you go to North Korea, you're propping up the regime that doesn't deserve to be propped up. So I do think that people should see the world, but you need to be very careful about where you're going and where you're spending your money. You know, Cassie, the the funny thing about that is I would have never thought I would come to a day where I would say that about even going to Europe. But a couple years ago, our oldest daughter was on her junior senior trip to uh, Europe, and they went to a number of different countries. It was one of those, you know, 11 days, and you're in like six or seven countries. And it's perfect mm-hmm. for, for high schoolers. And while they were there, they seemed to be six to eight hours ahead of four terror attacks that happened. The terror attack on the bridge, um, the London Bridge near Big Ben, they were on that bridge like the, the afternoon before that terror attack That's happened. Terrifying. Where the, yeah, it is. It, we were, it was spring break. So my husband and our younger two kids are on, you know, our spring break, but it was really just me sitting up on Facebook, communicating with the, the people who were in charge of the tour going, where are you, are you guys actually like, it says you're supposed to be here. Are you here? Because did you see there was a stabbing in the airport? It was linked to terrorism. You guys are out of that airport, right? They're like, yeah, we were there four hours ago. Every there were four terror attacks and they missed them all by a few hours. So it's almost anywhere in the world that you go now that you have to kind of say, look, if now if you go to France, you're kind of taking your life into your own hands because they have so much so much terrorism. Like it's not even a Western European country anymore the way it was when I was growing up in Germany. France was pretty safe. You know, Germany was safe. It was just you just traveled around on these little weekend tours on tour buses, charter buses. It was just fantastic. Now it's really changed. And I think when people hear that, they're like, oh, she's bigoted or she's Islamophobic. I'm not afraid of Islam and I'm not afraid of Muslims. I am wary of terrorism. And I think we should be more careful about the. As you said, we should just be aware of where we're going. Absolutely. And honestly, it even goes further than terrorism in some cases, too, is trafficking of women and children in Europe has gotten so bad. I just reported on an article where in London they're trafficking in Vietnamese boys and girls to come work on marijuana farms, and there's thousands of them being trafficked right into London, which is just such a place you wouldn't think that would actually happen. And so I think wow. that trafficking is getting really bad as well, and it's really scary. 
And another place that I've spent a lot of time is Israel. And yes, Israel has terrorism threats, but the government there is just so on top of it. Way, way, like light years ahead of Europe when it comes to combating terrorism and keeping people safe. So I think that these European countries do need to step it up. And it's not necessarily because people are afraid of Muslims or, or Islam. The real problem is that you have these governments who don't know how to address the issue, and it needs to be addressed, and terrorism needs to be combated in all fronts. I agree. And and so as we close out the show here, I, or this segment, I just want to point people to the dailywire.com. It's Ben Shapiro's amazing. I mean, it's just like, it's a powerhouse over there. It's the new mm-hmm. uh, Blaze Breitbart. Like, I think of every IJR. It's the new current version of those, but it's even better. Um, and so if you go over to the Daily Wire, you can type in Cassie Dill in the search engine and get her fantastic article. I'm also going to put it in the live streams for people to click through and read it. I I really I encourage you to read it because it's a great jumping off point for conversations with your kids or your nieces and nephews or your grandkids. We're not trying to scare kids, but we want them to be aware. Uh, I'll give you the last word on that. We have about 30 seconds left. Exactly. Everyone should see the world, but you should be cautious about where you go and make sure that you are protected. So if you want to go to a crazy war zone like I did, make sure you have security taking care of you and make sure you're not wandering off by yourself or interacting with sketchy people because you do stand out as a Westerner. I had people taking pictures of me my entire time walking through the streets. Just mm. be careful, but don't let terrorism deter you from seeing the world. I agree. And I, I got to say, if you're savvy like Cassie, yeah, then definitely go to these, you know, tougher countries. But if you're not savvy like Cassie, just take a couple of guards with you and go to a country that's not quite as dangerous. It, there are grades and, and, you know, there are different levels of, of what you can do. I think it's yeah. awesome that you took that trip and that you went in and saw it for yourself. And it takes yeah, a lot of guts to do that. Me on Twitter and live the experience through me because mm-hmm. I, I love interacting with different cultures in the Middle East. That's my favorite thing to do. Absolutely. Oh, and so if in case you're looking for that, Twitter, she's at Cassie Dillon, and that's Cassie with a K, K-A-S-S-Y-D-I-L-L-O-N, Dillon. Cassie Dillon on Twitter, and also Cassie Dillon on The Daily Wire, where she's a writer, uh, contributor, and founder of Lone Conservative. Thanks so much, Cassie, for joining in today. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Talk to you again soon. Have a happy weekend. Uh, we are just... I, I know that in this audience, we have a lot of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and people who interact with kids. And I think we, the, you, you, you could have knocked me over with a feather when we, I was talking to our daughters about this. You know, if you pull over on the side of the road and a man needs help, would you help him if you were in the car alone? And the girls said yes. And they don't believe that anymore, obviously. But I was so shocked that growing up with, you know, Second Amendment mommy, they were fine with that. So... Don't underestimate the touchy-feely Care Bear world we live in here in America and how much it's seeped into your kids. All right, when we get back, we're going to take your calls. Be right back. Hi, I'm Kevin Sorbo. You may know me from my TV series Hercules or Andromeda or one of my hit films such as Let There Be Light, God's Not Dead, or What If. I wanted to invite you to offer your full support for the ministry of Preborn and its leader, Dan Steiner. The team at Preborn is very focused and very successful at saving preborn babies from abortion. The ministry of Preborn saves babies' lives through ultrasound. By letting a mother hear her baby's heartbeat and see her baby in the womb, she'll choose life 80% of the time. For $140, you can help save five babies' lives. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes to saving babies. To donate, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. 
or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Every baby deserves to be born. a conversation with my daughter about making mistakes and not getting this Christian walk right. I had to explain to her that none of us are perfect, but we are all striving for perfection. Then I was listening to a song by 10th Avenue North called You Are More. The song really explained what I shared with her and reminded me that the enemy would like nothing more than to use the mistakes and things you've gotten wrong against you. But because of Christ, you are more than your mistakes. You are more and bigger than your fears. You are so much more than the choices you've made. And God's love for you never wanes. It never decreases. It never ceases to exist. Today, no matter what you've done or how bad you think it is, repent and rest in the forgiveness and love of the Father. Extend to yourself the same passion and grace that the Father extends. With a heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at urbanfamilytalk.com. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. History may not repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Democrats capitalized on a host of GOP scandals in 2005 and 2006. A federal grand jury indicted top White House aide Scooter Libby. House Majority Leader Tom DeLay faced an indictment and was forced to step aside from his leadership post. Former Republican Congressman Duke Cunningham and Bob Ney went to jail. And then, over a 24-hour period in late September 2006, it was discovered that Republican Florida Representative Mark Foley sent inappropriate text messages to underage House pages. Voters awarded Democrats control of both the House and Senate that fall. It's unclear that if this November we'll look back at August 21st in the same way we viewed those last days of September 2006. In a three-hour span Tuesday, a federal jury convicted Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty, and Republican California Representative Duncan Hunter was indicted. Under the 2006 model, that tornado would be enough to toast Republicans and propel Democrats to the majority in both bodies. But this is 2018, and the specter of scandal doesn't quite stick like it did 12 years ago. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We all have a true color. Like, like when the government does the census report, every 10 years they ask a bunch of questions. One of the questions is race. The first box to check in that category uh, is for white. Now the second box, my race. They have multiple choices. <laughs> Black, comma, African-American, comma, Negro, comma, running back, comma, rapper. <laughs> but they had a little box to write something in. And that write-in box is what made me decide to find my true color. Now, how do you do that? Go to a hardware store. Go in the paint section. Spend some time. <laughs> Grab those little paint chips. It took me about 15 minutes, but I found my true color. If you say I'm black, I'm not mad. That's not racist. I'm not offended. I'm just telling you all here in Provo, Utah, I know my true color. I'm a shade of brown called chocolate indulgence. Hello. (laughs) 50 shades of chocolate indulgence. All you people have been told you're white, you're not white, you're a shade of paint called papaya smoothie. I looked it up. (laughs) Store. I know, it's silly, but it's funny. And that's why you gotta find a reason to laugh. So find your true color. 
and then report it to the government. Let them know what color you really are. You might be papaya smoothie, you might be rosy taupe. I don't know. But report it. When they see that we have so many different colors, we're not just black and white like they labeled us, maybe they'll stop asking us what color we are. They'll find some much more important things in the world to solve, okay? Fine. And so not only was that funny, I actually was laughing out loud at that last night when I found that on, on uh, an online website. I have to say his idea about putting it on the documents to the government is great because rather than tracking what our ethnic background is, wouldn't it be great if they asked us questions like, you know, qu- quizzed us on the Constitution, quizzed us on um, American sovereignty, quizzed us on whether or not we believe that our nation is the greatest nation on earth, that we have you know, our first allegiance to America, um, you know, when's the last time you, and I know people will definitely hammer me for this. When's the last time you attend, t- attended your religious observance? You know, our constitution was created for a moral and religious people. And the further away from that we get, the more we see people not understanding what it is that, Hey, these are our rights. They don't, as we see more people get away from church and get away from understanding our God-given rights, we see more people who they just can't stomach the truth of the Constitution. And people are more easily triggered. So I have a good friend who sometimes shoots stories over to me. And just before the show started, she sent me this story. And it's a local one, but this is perfect for our national audience. And I'll tell you why. Because people literally are doing this all over the country. They're losing their minds over the simplest of things. And I, I, I'm with you. You know, if you, you don't like someone saying something to you, but it's not about what you like. It's about the truth. Is it not? Can we agree on that? So here's the story. You've got Oakville High School and their principal. So this could be any high school in America. This is a middle-class school district. It's not affluent, but it's definitely not poverty-stricken, a lot of different income brackets live in the school district. It's a nice kind of leafy suburban area of town, and they're very gung-ho about their sports. Public high school, nice schools. The district has a dress code. And so you've got dozens of parents who are furious after they say a speech on the first day of school about dress code took a sexist turn. Now you're probably thinking, oh man, I wonder what this principal said. It must have been pretty horrible. Well, the principal of Oakville High School happens to be a woman. Her name is Janet Kellerman. And she told the students on the first day, girls aren't supposed to show their boobs, bellies, or their butts. She doesn't want the boys distracted, and boys shouldn't wear what she called wife-beater shirts. Now, could she have put that more eloquently? Sure, she could have. Certainly, she could have. Did she need to with a group of high schoolers in public high school? If she's been their principal for more than one school year, I'm sure she's heard way worse than that. Now, it's not that I condone this this type of of communication from the principal, but I think what we do is we look at our kids and we think all the kids are like our kids or all the kids are better than our kids. The reality is there's a wide range of what is a kid today in America. And if you want to understand that, just go people watch. Watch how many girls walk by you and you can see the side of their chest. How many of them you can see enough cleavage to, there's nothing left for you to imagine. You've seen it, basically everything. How many girls walk by and you can see the bottom of their rear end? As their shorts have been cut up so high that there's nothing left for you to imagine. 
How many people are out there wearing clothes that are sheer because Beyonce and Rihanna have completely revamped what is normal attire? I, I, I'm not sure if I shared here on this show. I was uh, at Whole Foods or Whole Paycheck as it's known. I was headed in and I got in my minivan and another lady was getting out of her car. We actually parked, you know, nose to nose. You know how you park nose to nose in the, in the grocery store parking lot. So I get out on my side, you know, she's on the other side because we're parked nose to nose. I lock my little minivan and come around the back and start walking towards the door. So I have to walk kind of catty corner, but near her to get to the door. I glance over and she has on a bodysuit. Now, she was a, an attractive woman, but she had on a bodysuit, no pants, just the bodysuit, and then a sheer duster. You know, it looks, it's kind of like a jacket that goes all the way to the floor. It has no buttons on the front because it's meant to be left open. And then she had on some high heel, knee high boots. This is at like four o'clock in the afternoon uh, on a weekday. Other people were pushing strollers into the, the, the Whole Foods. I mean, I just, I, I kind of, I looked and then I looked again, like, what, what am I looking at right now? This has gone too far. So I know there's a lot of freedom and, and I've had plenty of women that I know who are conservatives who'll say, I don't like this constant talk about how women need to make their skirts longer and women need to dress more modestly because men, we should be able to dress however we want and men should not feel, you know, empowered to do things because we're dressed a certain way. That's not what this is about. This isn't about justifying poor behavior on the, on the part of men. It's about respecting yourself and covering your body up like you have some sense because the parking lot of the Whole Foods is not a Beyonce music video. So those are adults I'm talking about. I've also seen teenagers walking with their parents with no clothes on. No clothes on. I've seen people walking to church with the teenagers have on no clothes. When I say no clothes, I mean clothes that are pajamas would be clothes that would be considered pajamas is what I would say these kids have on and they're at church. So you're sitting there with your husband. I'm sitting there with my husband. And then there's this family right there with their two daughters and the daughters have on no clothes. I mean, you know, (laughs) it ain't right. It ain't right. So these parents got into such an uproar, they caused the principal to apologize. And one mom said the apology wasn't even enough because, you know, now somebody's got to lose their job because somebody was offended. They were told that boys shouldn't wear undershirts to school and girls shouldn't wear, um, you know, no clothes. That's, that's what I'll call it for this good Christian radio uh, that we're doing here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. So let's go to the phones. We have Wanda from Ohio. Wanda, thanks for calling in to American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hi, Stacey. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thanks for calling. Because you're, you're really hard to hear, honey. Uh, anyway, I, I have this story about Blue Bunny ice cream. I was listening to the radio, and they were telling the story about Blue Bunny has this ice cream that's just chocolate and vanilla in one carton. And the family, a multiracial family, was had dinner, and they were having this Blue Bunny ice cream at dessert. And the, one of the kids looked at the carton and I think I want, I want to know if you know anything about this, because I'm curious to know the whole story. Um, looked at the carton and was offended because it reminded them of the Civil War. And could Blue Bunny, they wrote them a letter and asked them to change the name of their ice cream. And you were just saying earlier about how people are freaking out about, you know, things that are just so stupid. They're, they're losing their minds over it. Yeah. Well, this is one of them. This is like. Are you serious? Oh, wait. I see what you're talking about. I see the story. Mixed race family asks Bluebell ice cream to change flavor name. 
The name was called The Great Divide, Homemade Vanilla and Dutch Chocolate. And it's the the, the ice cream is uh, half chocolate, half vanilla. Uh, I, okay. So again, Wanda, thank you for bringing this to our attention. I, I agree with you. And I think this is just another example of that. This is an example of people saying, you know, if, if you see the ice cream carton and you find it offensive, why not just not buy that one? This is America where you can get literally 500 different types of ice cream in your town by visiting maybe five different stores. I'm always shocked by how much bigger the ice cream section is every time I go because I'm, you know, on low, no sugar. So I'm not eating ice cream right now. I I only can have the halo top and that's only every once every blue moon. And so it's really sometimes I'll I'll be on that aisle getting some frozen fruit. And I'll stumble into the ice cream section. and Wow, they've expanded this. They have to move the frozen pizza to the next aisle. And this is all ice cream from one end to the other end. Why not just buy a different can? So it's Tracy Smidley that Wanda's talking about. Her husband and their brood of six kids sitting down for an ice cream party at their Louisiana home. And we always buy Bluebell. This time we chose the flavor, the Great Divide, which has chocolate on one half and vanilla on the other. And then... After dishing it out, her older son, who's 10, called the Great Divide flavor the Civil War. He said the line down the middle of the carton reminded him of the Mason-Dixon line, and the name reminded him of a time in history when our nation appeared to be irrevocably divided. He looked at our table and saw a mixture of both black and white people not divided on one or the other, but like in the ice cream, but gathered around the table together. She said her son was not complaining or calling the name racist. He just didn't think the name Great Divide was the best name for something as wonderfully unifying as Bluebell Ice Cream. So they said the better name for it would be Better Together. Wow. So, yeah. Just more people, you know, bringing up stuff that's, uh, you know, and people in the thing are laughing. People in the... um, YouTube chat room are laughing about the, the whole thing. It's just ridiculous. Um, okay, John from Tennessee. Hey, thanks for calling in to American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Uh, you, you guys always have excellent topics. Um, this situation with the um, about the divide with the ice cream and whatnot, see, the child himself is not taught true history, like from... Um, What's the one with, uh, I forget the name of the thing, but he teaches all history and they got an original document. Oh. Um, uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, they need to be taught that because a lot of times they're not taught true history and they have a very small sliver of history and even the sliver that they have is corrupted. You know. Um, now, the other thing I needed to share with you, this is something uh, I learned, someone told me a long time ago. If you were driving like your daughter's driving down the road and you see an accident, you see the person on the side of the road bleeding, and you stop to help them. Okay, while you're helping them, two or three doctors would have gone by because they thought she was a doctor. Mm. My thing is... They, they need it, to, yeah, they need have, to know that because, you know, people... In other words, it's okay, they're taking care of all this prayer and keep going. There might be a few doctors and nurses that have gone by because they see you out there and you're unqualified to really to help other than by prayer. You well, know. and but and and I also saw a story. Not to only have Debbie Downer stories. I saw a story of, of actually this was shared at the Family Research Family Research Council's Watchman on the Wall earlier this week, of John, and it was a fascinating story. The guy who was telling the story was the man who was on the side of the road. He'd been in an accident and thrown from his vehicle, 
And one of the men who was driving by was a physician. And he said, the Lord told him, you need to pull over. And he was like, pull over where? Why do I feel like I need to pull over? And he felt the strongest urge that he had to pull over right away. As he begins to look around, he sees a group of people standing by the side of the road. And all of them were regular people who couldn't help. They said, it's, you got here too late. He says, I'm a doctor. What's going on here? He says, you're, you're too late. The guy is already dead. We looked at him. He's dead. He says, no, I'm supposed to come over here and pray for him. So he goes over, prays for the guy, feels his pulse. He's not dead. He calls 911 and then they, you know, begin to administer help to him. And the guy telling the story is the one who was actually thrown from the vehicle and almost died. So my admonishment to my, my daughters is not that we should never help, but it's that they should be wise. But when you talk about people driving by because they think someone's already helping, this is one of those situations where we just have to use our common sense. If we know there's nothing we can do, then we dial 911 and we, you know, you keep going because you don't want 80 cars pulled over at an accident when so that the emergency vehicles can't get there. But by the same token, you want to do something. You're not just going to drive by and go, well, I can't help. I'm single alone in the car and that looks like a man. So there has to be some wisdom to it. And the comments you made about people, uh, you know, not teaching their kids the history or their, the kids' history not being complete. I think with the family with the Bluebell ice cream, the son was just making a joke and pointing out all the things he knew about, you know, history and slavery and the Mason-Dixon line, probably because he was covering those things in school. And then the parents took it to the, to the nth degree. Come on, parents, have some common sense. If your kid's principal says kids need to wear clothes to school and stop showing off their bodies and distracting the other students, don't go against that administrator. We have a hard enough time with these administrators sexualizing our kids. You finally get one who's doing the right thing and you lose your mind. We can do better. Um, that's the first hour. When we get back, we're going to have more great information for you. Um, head on over to urbanfamilytalk.com. This is on AFR.net. We'll be back with more right after this.